We are so glad that you're joining with us, and I'm glad that you're back with me tonight. Well, we had a lot of fun last week, so we decided we'd do it again. <laughs> it's always fun when you and I get to talk together and to speak together, and it's also fun because I haven't seen you all day. So I know. Getting... We have to stop meeting like this. <laughs> tell you what, I'm ready for tax season to be over, and the government has extended it. I know. Has it been fun this year doing taxes? It has been challenging. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been rewarding helping well, people, the right? the IRS sent us a message this week and said, please don't send us this particular kind of return right now. We don't know what to do with it. <laughs> I know it. Congress has made so many changes. Are you comfortable? Do you have plenty yeah, of room? Yeah, good. Um, that has uh, made so many changes <laughs> that we all have to be aware of right now. Well, tonight we're going to continue in the thought that we had last week. This is not actually a part two, but I wanted to follow up on the message last week that Becky and I shared with you about our forgiveness gives us a new life and justification gives us new standing before God. And so what I'd like to do tonight is look at the power of forgiveness, and we're rushing rapidly to Good Friday, to Easter, and these are things that we need to, to think about. And then on Easter Sunday morning, I'm starting a brand new series on forgiveness, and I'm so excited. I think because of the time of the year and Easter yeah. and the the celebrating Good Friday, yeah. the crucifixion and the re it sounds awful to say celebrating a crucifixion, yeah. but really, we are yeah. because of the cross. Everything that God has was opened back up to us, yeah. and it makes us start thinking again about forgiveness. Well, forgiveness is one of those things that uh, we like to receive but it's something that's very difficult to give. And we're going to look at tonight how God forgives, and we're going to look at the life of Jesus. We're going to look at a very famous story from the Bible. But one of the things that is so important is that we understand that we have to receive forgiveness. Mm -hmm. You know, you can be forgiven, but you've got to receive the forgiveness of God for it to for the work to take place in your life, the new life to come, the new standing before God. But before we go there, um, we want to pray, but we also want to ask you to please be faithful with your tithes and your offerings uh, to Woodland Church. You know, we have been, our church has just been so generous in helping with missions and helping in our community because of your faithfulness. But now we have another need that um, just to keep uh, up with what we're trying to do and if you would just be faithful tonight and everyone do their part, I believe God is going to abundantly supply. I'll be sending out an email to let you know more about that. But we have got to do some major lighting changes. We want to get our sound system hooked back up properly. And it looks like it's going to be an expenditure of about $8,000 at least to get all of that done. And if you could help us there, uh, that would be such a blessing. I'll be sending a letter out to the church. But maybe you're watching online from somewhere else, and uh, the Lord would just lay that on your heart. Anything that you can do will help us as we try to continue our online ministry, our ministries not only in our community but around the world. And there's just so much that we've been able to do because of media. When you think of where we started a year ago, yeah. I mean, literally, we were scrambling to find cameras, yeah. you know, anything we could stick on a tripod. <laughs> well, and cameras were kind of hard to come by because all of a sudden yeah. everybody was snatching them up. But what I'm amazed at is 
especially on Sundays, is how many people from other states are joining mm-hmm. with us and they're worshiping online with us. So I'm asking if you would, you can download our app, you can give by texting to 77977. The keyword is Woodland Church, no space, no dot, no dashes. Just think of <laughs> Woodland Church as one word and be sure to text it. I think it's up on the screen right now. And you can get these notes we're going to share tonight. You can download our church app from the Apple Store, or I think it's called the Apple App Store. I never can get these things right. You know how to get it. Yeah, you know how to get it. And if you have the other one. If you don't, ask the closest teenager. They'll yeah. download it for you. And the other one is called what? Google? Yeah. Yeah, the other Google Whatever. Store. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being mean. I shouldn't say that. Well, let's pray. To, oh, you need to make a couple announcements, though, don't oh, you? Oh, yeah. Uh, Easter week mm-hmm. at Woodland. We will not be sitting around... Staring at empty seats oh, okay. this year. We're going. I to didn't know be... where you were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be here on Friday night for our Good Friday service, a commute time of communion yeah. and reflection. We're going to be here on Saturday from 11 to 1 for our extravaganza bunny trail. And then two services on Sunday at 10 and 11.30. And also online for those services as well. It's going to be fun. When you said we're not going to be sitting, I was like, well, the early church, they stood for the whole, they stood for the whole sermon. And the sermon was two you or three hours. You stand up for the whole sermon. So. I do. And everybody <laughs> talks about being tired when they leave. But I'm the one standing up here working. Anyhow, let's pray together tonight. We have a lady from our congregation. She and her sister both have COVID virus. Mm -hmm. Uh, She is in the hospital out of town. And uh, her husband on Monday is having surgery. So we want to pray for them uh, this evening that the Lord would touch. And I was just talking to my son, our second son, Chris, just a few moments ago. And I Little Bear has still not got his nights and days right. He goes, Dad, it was a rough night. We remember those days. Yes, of, we do. Of waking up at 1, 3, 5, and 7. Let's pray that Bear hibernates through the night tonight and gives them a break. Well, Heavenly Father, we love you so much, and we praise your name for the forgiveness and the new life that we enjoy in Christ. And as we begin this study from your word tonight, I ask you, help Becky and I to share the message in a way that is memorable and sticks with everybody. But we also pray for that supernatural anointing of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't have to be in this building for that to happen. There is an anointing from you that abides with us, and we pray that people will catch the word, hear the word, and apply it to their lives tonight in Jesus' name. And we pray, Lord, for this dear sister from our congregation and for her sister, Lord, as well as for her husband. We're asking you for a miracle of healing from the COVID virus. And we're also asking you, Lord, that you will protect her lungs. We pray that you will, God, remove any trace of pneumonia that she might have, restore her oxygen levels, breathe health and life into her tonight, I pray, as well as touch her sister and bring healing to her. God, I ask you that you would be with her husband as he prepares to go into surgery this coming Monday, that, God, the surgery will be a total success, for it's in Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen and amen and amen. Hey, if you're watching on Facebook, and you can send us uh, on my page, or you can send a text if you have my phone number, if you have a special prayer request, 
you know, we're more than happy. I, we pray every day here in this sanctuary for folks that uh, have shared their prayer requests with us. And um, it's, it's a joy for us to do that. But you can send them to us. And uh, remember, though, if you text it here on Facebook, everybody can see it if you put it in the message. Yeah, send it through the message. And also, if you're on Facebook, you can share this to your site. Yeah. And then the, the message just goes even That's a further great and idea. further. Right. Please share it with, uh, on your page because the more you share it, it seems like when people share, our numbers just skyrocket because your friends trust you uh, that you're uh, recommending this tonight. Well, let's talk about when love comes running. I felt like I could write a song with that. <laughs> it sounds like the intro to a song. Yeah, love comes running. You know, the way we approach God is determined by how we perceive God. Mm. And when I wrote that sentence today, I realized just how true that was in my own life. Mm. I was really afraid of God in my younger days. And the Bible the Bible talks about that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But the fear of the Lord is not panic mode. Yeah. The fear of the Lord is reverence and respect. People who irreverently use the name of the Lord, they have a reason to panic because, you know, in the Old Testament, there were some pretty stern, well, there were some deadly uh, punishments for people who blasphemed the name of the Lord. And one day, people who have rejected God and blasphemed his name, they will rue the day they ever did that. But how you approach God is based upon your perception of God. And we want to look at a story tonight. Actually, we, first of all, I want to look at a passage of Scripture that just kind of set the tone for this. Jesus told them this story. Now, you'll understand a little more why I'm using this passage in a minute. But understand, Jesus is telling a story. He wants to illustrate. It's like when I use an illustration to help you get a point in a message. He said, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? The one that is lost... Until he finds it. You should underline that in your Bible. The one that is lost. Who's lost in your family? Who's lost in your subdivision? Who is it that you know that is lost, that doesn't know God? Lost people matter to God. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, I just, help me out there. I just scanned down <laughs> to the arrives, bottom When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. Notice that. He says, rejoice with me. God gets happy when lost people come to know him. And in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and have it straight away. Do you realize God gets more excited, according to this passage, about one lost person coming to Jesus tonight than he does about you and I and how long we serve the Lord together? having been here in the fold for <laughs> how many years? We're just part of the family, but God does get excited and happy. Well, first of all, our view of God comes from our parents. And boy, this is a solemn sobering thought. I mean, for me as a dad and for you yeah. as a mom, I know it was. As a parent, boy, it makes you mm -hmm. really re-examine the way you mm -hmm. act and react and how you show God to your children. Um, as a child, I can remember you, you said you, you had a, you know, 
fear of God. As a child, I always... A dread, a terror. I always thought of God more like my daddy. Yeah. And it wasn't until I got older, and I was blessed to have a good daddy, so my image of God as a father was a good one. But for yeah. those that have not had that privilege, that's a whole different concept. My dread of God wasn't because of my dad or my mom. My dread of God was because of the kind of preaching and teaching that we were exposed <laughs> to. I can remember as a child being drilled. You know, Sister Kate, when we left Sister Kate's class, in, and I've talked about her often, but when we left Sister Kate's class, suddenly we were exposed to the kind of, oh, just dreadful preaching. And I can remember just I just didn't feel like I could ever measure up. We talked about that last yeah, week. Yeah, we did. Condemnation. Yeah. You know, and, and there were times, especially growing up, not so much from inside, but from outside influences. It made me very conscientious as a father. Mm -hmm. And again, I want to say it wasn't my parents' fault. As a matter of fact, I probably learned more about the love of God from my dad than anybody. But my... my um, my fatherhood, my being a father myself, it made me very conscientious about how I acted, what I said, what I did, how I played with our children, how I corrected our children, mm -hmm. at times how we had to punish them when there was defiance because I wanted them to understand who Not God was. Not our children. <laughs> Not your children. It was always amazing. Let me in on a little secret here. Whenever the children were good, they were Becky's children. When they did something wrong, would you come home and deal with your son? That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's how it was, that's right? That's how it was. It still is. <laughs> and so I, I found myself many times praying, God, I am such an imperfect model. I'm such an imperfect role. There were times I literally get on my knees and say, Lord, express your love better through me. And I don't think there's one of our children that doubt how much we love them. Yeah. And I don't think there's one of our children would ever tell you that we were abusive to them or anything like that. And I think every one of our children would tell you that we revealed God's love to them. But on our part, it was a very conscientious mm -hmm. thing. Well, we are in human bodies. We are human. Yeah. We, we're not perfect. We made mistakes. <laughs> um, they remember those, by the way. And, and there were times as parents, we had to go back and say, I'm sorry. Yeah. Let me let you in on a little secret. I would tell our children always, do not look at the price on the menu. I want you to order what you want. Yeah. When we go by, I tell them the same thing. Now, here's the reason. The reason I taught them that is in my heart, I wanted them to be able to trust God that when they ask for, when they ask God for yeah. something, they wouldn't think, oh, it was too much. It was too mm -hmm. big. Now, all of our children, with the exception of one, was very <laughs> considerate of that rule. Christopher would always look for the most expensive thing on the menu. He liked lobster. And who is the most frugal one of our children today? That's because it was your pocketbook, not his. <laughs> so. The kids told me one time, they said, you know, I thought, I used to think, well, we must have been really rich because you would take us to the store and you'd say, pick out anything in the store you want. They didn't know I was taking them to the thrift stores. <laughs> <laughs> well, read this next verse of Scripture, if you would. I have revealed you to the ones who gave me from this world. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. You see, 
what Jesus is praying there is he has revealed the love of God to his disciples. And now he's asking God to make his love continue to invite, because if you love God, then lost people are going to matter to you. If lost people do not matter to you, as a matter of fact, I just had a conversation with someone just a few minutes ago, came to my study here at the church, and I almost broke down crying because the destiny of lost people who do not know Jesus Christ, it, it, it shatters me inside. Yeah. And I, I re- told them a story of the man that I woke up at midnight and went to the hospital because I really believed the Lord spoke to me. He was going to die that night, and, he'd never, and I loved him. He's a friend. He never gave his heart to Jesus. And the hospital trusted me enough to let me go in, wake him up, talk to him. He gave us tears were flowing out of his eyes. I mean, he knew for me to be down there at midnight, this was business. He gave his heart to Christ I will always be so grateful. I'm telling you, I will always be so grateful. I, I went to the elevator after he gave his heart to Jesus, saying, Lord, thank you for waking me up. I knew, I knew. And before I got home, the yeah. hospital called me and says, you won't believe it. He's died. But he died and went to heaven. So you, you just have to be ready. Lost people, and you know you love God when lost people matter to you. Well, that's just a picture of how much God loves us. Yeah. Even when we are lost and in our mm. sin, tell God you, I, loves us. I am, you know, I'm praying in the spirit inside right now. I'm just kind of shook up a little bit. Well, God's love is revealed by Jesus. That's the thing I want you to see. God's love is revealed by Jesus. When people ask me, what is God like? I always take them to the gospels and say, look at Jesus. Because sometimes people will say to me, but what about this in the Old Testament. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God of the Old Testament is revealed in Jesus. The God of the Old Testament, you know, his, His creative love, His sheltering love, His protecting love, it's all revealed in Christ. But what you don't see oftentimes is the fact that the God of wrath, Jesus has taken that wrath upon Himself for your sins. All that wrathful, fearsome God that should put you in panic mode, that was taken. Jesus took that wrath upon himself. And by the way, Jesus was God. Jesus is God. Jesus took all of that upon his human body, and he suffered and died for our sins so that you wouldn't have to. But the Bible also tells us that for people who reject God to fall into the hands of an angry God, that's a fearful thing. You don't want to die. You don't want your family to die without Jesus. And so maybe the disciples were a little bit confused because Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus looked at him and he says, if you have seen me, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. In other words, when you saw the love of Jesus, when you saw the mercy of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, when you saw the healing power of Jesus, when you saw Jesus casting out the devil, when you saw Jesus is angry at religious people that tried to keep people out of the kingdom of God rather than bring them into the kingdom of God, you saw God. If we as parents, you know, faced our own imperfection, but the deep love that Mm -hmm. we have for our children, 
Jesus was perfection, right. and he showed us not a clouded image, but a perfect image of what the Father is like. The book of Hebrews says he's the exact image, the exact representation of what the Father. What's your favorite image of Jesus? Oh, wow. I couldn't tell you. You couldn't tell I me. I mean, my mind goes back to like pictures I saw as a child of Jesus carrying a lamb on his shoulders yeah. or or walking with the children or taking the children in his lap. Um, I think my perspective of Jesus's image has changed through the years. Yeah. And I read the book of Revelations and I go, yeah. <laughs> my favorite image of Jesus is when the leper called out to him mm. and Jesus touched him in all of his uncleanliness. That's you know, in the law, in the, under the Mosaic Code, you could not touch a leper. They had to be isolated. And that leper called out to Jesus, and for the first time, he felt the touch of a human hand since he had contracted that disease. He felt the love of the Father. And I think the reason that's so meaningful to me is back in those days when I was disabled, and there was always this smell about me, there was always this unclean, there was this isolation from other people. Mm. And Jesus touched him. And I have so many images, but that's my favorite image that comes from the gospel. Now, I want to zero in tonight on the prodigal son, because that's where we've been leading up to here. But Phil Kerr was an Assemblies of God uh, minister, ordained pastor. He was a fabulous musician, composer. He died in 1960, but he wrote something he called Melody and F., and nobody can read this better than you can, Becky. So would you read this tonight? <laughs> I think You're you going to love this. You're going to recognize the story of the prodigal son. I think you set me up with this one. <laughs> Feeling footloose and frisky, a feather-brained fellow forced his fond father to fork over the farthings and flew far to foreign fields and frittered his fortune feasting fabulously with faithless friends. Fleeced by his fellows in folly and facing famine, he found himself a feed flinger in a filthy farmyard. <laughs> Fairly famishing, he fain would have filled his frame with the forage food from fodder fragments. Phooey, my father's flunkies fare far finer, the frazzled fugitive forlornly fumbled, frankly facing facts. Frustrated by failure and filled with foreboding, he fled forthwith to his family. Falling at his father's feet, he forlornly fumbled, Father, I flunked, and fruitlessly forfeited family favor. The far-sighted father, forestalling further flinching, frantically flagged the flunky to fletch a fatling from the flock and fix a feast. The fugitive's fault-finding brother frowned on fickle forgiveness of former Fulroy, and the father figure, but I can't even read now, but the faithful father figured, phileo fidelity is fine, but the fugitive is found. What forbids fervent festivities? Let flags be unfurled, let fanfares fly. Father's forgiveness formed the foundation for the former fugitive's future fortitude. That was excellent. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> that was excellent. I could have never read that. Oh, that was good. Well, there's several things I, I want you to get here tonight because you're familiar with the, product, the story of the prodigal son. But here's something important. The father allowed the son to go his own way. 
A few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. You see, God, this is important, God loves you, but God will allow you to go your own way. There's two lessons here. You can choose to follow him and be blessed. And I, I don't have time, Becky and I don't have time tonight to deal with the elder brother's attitude. That's a time for another, that's another time for another message. But God will let you run away from him and you will reap what you sow there. But at the same time, it's his love that allows you to experience what you experience because, see, the father allowed him to experience the tragedy of sin. I think as parents, we want to protect oh, our yeah. children from tragedy. We don't want <clears throat> them to experience the bad things in life, the pain. We can look at situations, and, and I'm sure as he was packing his suitcase, his father was thinking, this is not going to be good. Yeah. He has no idea what he's doing, what he's getting himself into. But standing back and letting him go anyway, that's a hard thing as a parent. Most of the time as a pastor, the first time that there's been a rebellious kid or teenager get in trouble with the law and they went to jail, I've encouraged, go bail them out. But you've got to set down some straight guy. If it happens again, leave them there. Because what's happening is God is trying to use another authority figure to accomplish in their life Mm -hmm. what they're refusing to do on their own. And you're interfering with God when you keep bailing them out of trouble. But it's also important that you notice the word that I use here, the tragedy of sin. Sin will bring tragic results into your life. Don't ever think for a moment that sin is glamorous. Don't ever think for a moment that sin is it may be pleasurable in the moment, mm -hmm. but sin will always bring horrible consequences into your soul. This boy was a Jewish boy. The last thing he wanted to do was to be feeding pigs. He was at least smart enough to go get a job. He hired himself out to feed the pigs, but the Bible says the pods he was feeding the pig looked good to him, but no one would give him anything. When you hit the bottom, the world does not show you any mercy. And all of those fabulous friends you had yeah. just shortly before, they're gone. And, and just as a side, this, I don't mean this as a political statement. I want you to get the point here. What the government is doing is not about mercy. This is about political power. It's one thing to vote uh, benefits and and help out of the taxpayer's pocket. It's another thing for you to be personally involved. And I'm not saying there aren't politicians who are personally involved. But understand that socialism has always been about power. And these folks who are saying, you know, we need to, the government to do this. All you're doing is ceding power to the government and yielding up your own self-responsibility. This boy reached a point where he exhausted himself and he had to do the thing that he was most ashamed of. But the Bible says that when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I love that. He came to his senses. Underline that in your Bible. I will go home to my father, and I love that. He knows he can go home. He knows he can go home. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. 
Oh, I want people to know they can always come home to God. This is a very Hallelujah. simple story, but it shows us a great example of God's love. Yes, and it shows us a great example of a dad. It shows us a great example of a dad, and Jesus is showing us the great example of God's love. So here are five things we learn about the love of God. So he returned home to his father. Why don't you read that? While he was staying a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. What a beautiful statement. Here's what I want you to see. His father saw him. He was looking. He was looking for his boy to come home. He knew that sometime, somewhere, God was going to answer his yeah. prayer. He saw him coming. He was looking for him. God's looking for you tonight. God's looking for your lost friends. That's the reason Becky and I took the time last night for our daily prayer update to share with you about your impact list and inviting you. You know you love God when you love the people he loves and he's lost. Second thing is I want you to see is his father had compassion on him. His father had compassion, and his father ran to him. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the thing is, his father not only had compassion upon him, but his father, rather than berate him and say, I told you this was going to happen. I told you. I mean, I, we've been pastors. We've seen this happen. Yeah. Don't come back. I don't want to see your face around here again. You've shamed your family. You've shamed us. And man, nothing riles me up more than when you meet a hard-hearted parent. They say no to the prodigal that comes. And I know that if you have somebody just keeps doing that over and over. But this father had compassion upon him. But I also imagine this. That boy all the way home was thinking about what he was going to say. Oh, boy, I got to face daddy. <laughs> yeah, you know, what's daddy going to say? I, is he going to tell me, I, you know, I knew this was going to happen? In his mind, he was humbling himself. He was going to say, I'm, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I'll be, a, he, I'll be a servant. Yeah, but his father would have nothing to do with it. His father ran to him. What does that say to you, that the father ran to him? Oh, I immediately think of the father's covering. Yeah. You know, that the father, the father took him back in immediately and with no prerequisites. Mm -hmm. My arms are open. He saw the son taking the first step, yeah. and he ran to get him. Most scholars say that the father hadn't ran to him that the community would have stoned the boy for coming back. There are so many layers to this yeah. story that when we just read through it, it's a great little parable, yeah. but there are so many layers. And I love the fact that the father embraced him. I mean, can you imagine? He's coming from a pigsty. I have slop talks. I have been <laughs> in those pens. I know what you smell like. The boots are muddy. You're dirty. You stink. And you come in. You don't even get to come in the house. You go into a shower room. And you have to yeah, get all the this stuff off of you. Yeah, the father did say first thing, go get him some clothes. <laughs> this was after he embraced him. And look at this. His father kissed him. And, and the, the, the Greek tense here is just an ongoing. The father didn't just kiss him. He, he was covering him. He was yeah. smothering him with kisses. When I think about our heavenly father, mm -hmm. so many times we look at our own life and our own sins and our own failures and we think, I have to prove my worth to yeah. God. I have to clean myself up before I can come to God. I have to 
do something so God will accept yeah, me. Yeah. And the picture that God gives us of a father just embracing the son simply because the son took the step to come home. And I really want to take a moment with this tonight because I think it's so important. You need to see this is a father and a son. My dad, I, you know, I kissed my dad. He kissed me on the side of the cheek, you know. Uh, one of the things that I loved about our former general superintendent, it was, you know, was he would always come up and pat you. He'd kiss <laughs> you on the side of the face. And, you know, but did you know five times in five different books of the Bible, God says to greet one another with a holy kiss. And I think that is so important. And I prayed with a pastor today about this very thing. And that is, we cannot lose our ability to express, to express affection and love to one another in the body of Christ. We cannot lose that ability to show that we love people and care for people. And, 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 and may God just cast it out of our heads, all of these perverted ideas. We live in a tawdry world. We live in a corrupt world. You know... The world just does not understand love anymore, and everything is associated with the most tawdry thoughts about sex. We cannot allow the world to rob us of our ability to hug and to greet one another. You know, I, I like the man hug. Put the, put the <laughs> arm between you when you give a hug to each other. You know, I like, you know, I hug you differently than I hug my uh, daughter. I hug you differently than I hug other women. But there needs to be that ability. And may God cast down every thought for a man if he embraces another man. Somehow or another that's queer or that's gay or something like that. It's just men expressing the love of God for one another. And friends, it's time that we recapture. One of the things that we've learned in COVID, people are dying to know their love. Yeah. People are telling me all the time, I miss being, men tell me here at the church, pastor, I miss being hugged. I miss the handshakes. I miss my hug. I yeah. miss my, my embrace. Yeah. We have lost the picture of the purity of love. It's because of the tawdriness of our world. And it's also, let me say this, and, and, and it's also been because... The statistics shows it's not fathers that are raping or abusing their daughters. It's been stepfathers and it's been live-in boyfriends. Biological fathers are not the ones that are harming their daughters. And so we have got to recapture and refocus on that. And something else, we have got to let the world, you know, when when. I look at women, I'm not standing around and dressing them with my eyes. I'm not thinking lustful thoughts about them. And that's not because I'm 65. I've just never had to struggle with that. You just, I always pray since I gave my heart to Jesus. I want a clean heart. I want a clean mind. And I stay away from things that would lead me to that kind of thinking. I've told our congregation this before. I would rather hear somebody say a bad word than to dress immodestly. Mm. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, let's get quickly go over the growth work tonight. Number one, it's important that you study the walk, the talk, the miracles, the teachings, and the work of Jesus for a pure picture of the love of God. The image that I told you a while ago, mm -hmm. I know there's no one that God's not willing to touch. I know there's no one that God's not When I think about him going to Zacchaeus and saying, Zacchaeus, come out of that tree. I'm going home with you. When I think about him meeting the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery and how he looked at anger at those people that wanted to stone her, 
and said, he without sin, let him cast up first stone. When I see Jesus casting out devils, I see the love of God. He cares about lost people. The next step is rebuke the fear of being affectionate in Jesus' name. Yeah, just rebuke that fear. Be willing to be vulnerable and to love other people. And then parents are responsible responsible to represent and reflect God's love to their children. I think you did that marvelously. I think you did that better than I did. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you are a marvelous example. Our children love you. And here's the other thing. All the children through the years that we've ministered to through the years, they love Becky. Yeah, they call me Sarge too sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we first had children, I remember I was thinking that... Uh, that uh, you were going to be Miss Tenderleaf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were going to be Miss Tenderleaf, and I was going to be Sarge, but it turned out it was just the opposite. Mm -hmm. You know, this week, um, one of the businessmen, not this week, but last week, one of the businessmen in our community, he pulled out his phone. And he says, Pastor Clanton, can I talk to you for just a moment? And I said, Sure. He said, Let me show you a church that I just went to. And it had all of these signs about the church's disdain and what they thought about certain sins and immorality, you know, in our community. But they, they were hateful in nature. They were very hateful signs. And he looked at that and he said to me, what do you think? And I looked at him and I, and I said, you know, we... I hate all of these sins myself, but we don't advertise the hatred of those sins. We advertise the love of God, the goodness of God, and the good news. I preach about all of these things. Everything you see here on these signs, I preach about them. I preach that they're sin. I preach that they'll destroy you. I preach that they destroy others. I preach that these things will bring the judgment of God upon your life, but I do it in the context of the cross of Christ and the mercy, but I also remind people that we live in the season of grace, but there's coming a time where the, where the wrath of God is going to be revealed against all those sins. And you know what he said to me? He said, I know that you hate these sins. I just wanted to know how that you would address them. And he said, I have always appreciated the testimony of your church and our community. The beauty of this whole story of the prodigal does not deny the fact that the son had sinned. Yeah. But the father had the door open for him to come home. Right. And that's what forgiveness and grace and restoration yeah. is about. It's what grace is all about. Well, let's pray together tonight. Uh, let me close, though, by saying it's important that you become a member of a church that forgives and restores people who turn to God. Now, if you're watching from out of town, you know, let, we'll help you find a church wherever you live at if you'll let us know. But tonight, if you live in our community, let me encourage you, Woodland is a church that loves God and loves lost people. Do you know what our mission statement is? Our mission statement is, you want to say it? Celebrating God's love by persuading people to become passionate followers of Christ. And we do that every single day of the week. We never take a day off from that mission. And so I pray that you will find a church, a local church that you can be a part of that really does forgive and restore lost people to God as they come to seek Him. Join us in prayer tonight. Father, 
In the name of Jesus, would you make us bold expressors of the love of God? Would you make us people who model the love of God and the forgiveness of God? When people look at the folks who call Woodland Church their home, however imperfectly we do it, may they see, I can see Christ in their lives. And none of us will ever, 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 Lord, be the perfect example of what you're like. But help us to grow more and more into the image of Christ Jesus, I pray. And Lord, if there is someone that's listening tonight and they stayed and listened to this whole message, God, I don't want them to leave without knowing that they too can become a follower of Jesus. You have forgiven them of their sins already. And you know, I'm, I'm looking at you right now. I really feel strangely touched to say to you, God's forgiven you. All you have to do is to receive his forgiveness and he will not only wash away your sins, those are moral failures, he will break the power of sin in your life. He will make you his son or his daughter. And so just tonight, just simply pray, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving Jesus Christ for my sins. And I receive you and your forgiveness into my life. And as much as I know how, I commit my life completely to you in Jesus' name. And if you prayed that, please let me know. Email me at office at woodland.church and just let me know that you've crossed the line and given your heart to Jesus. And I'll send something out to you tomorrow to help you get started in your new walk with Christ. Well, thank you so much for being with us tonight. We're so delighted you're here. We love you. And thank you again for helping me tonight. You're very welcome. God bless you. Good night.